reports that some ships that are traveling through the Red Sea are now turning off their tracking systems to avoid being attacked by Houthi rebels because they are now such a dangerous presence. This is an organization that Trump had officially designated as a terrorist organization. One of the first things Biden did, of course, was remove that designation, which allowed them to start receiving funding again. (laughs) Is there any terrorist organization or human smuggling organization that has not financially benefited from the Biden administration's direct moves? I'm not talking sort of indirect, well, you know, because uh, uh, this was done over here, it created an event over here that was taken advantage of by these bad guys over there. I'm talking about directly removing the Houthis from the terrorism designation so that they could start receive funding again, lifting sanctions on Iran so they could start funding Hamas again, Lifting sanctions off the dictator of Venezuela. Reversed Trump sanctions on the energy pipeline out of Russia into Europe. Gave the Taliban, a country, all the military weaponry they could possibly imagine and billions of dollars of cash. Drug cartels and human traffickers have never done as well as they are doing under the current administration. These are, can anybody argue? You ever hear a Democrat claim none of this is true? They don't. When you look at the people, you can make a a listing. On the left side, people who are worse off under the Biden administration's policies. I mean, average Americans. The uber, uber wealthy, they aren't doing, you know, they're not suffering the way the rest of us are. In fact, we talked earlier in the program how the top 10 wealthiest uh, zip codes in the country are overwhelmingly putting their money behind Biden. But, you know, it's the average person. Well, women and children in Afghanistan, those we left behind in Afghanistan, they, of course, doing poor, the children who are sold into sex slavery and into this country and others, um, and, and average Americans suffering. Those who have benefited doing better now because of decisions made by Biden. Iran, Hamas, Houthis, Maduro in Venezuela. When it comes to the energy pipeline, Putin, the Taliban, obviously. I mean, can, can somebody even dispute this list?
I want to talk a bit about this Washington Examiner story, Joe Biden and Hunter lunch with friends on anniversary of fatal family car crash, because it gives you some insight into the darkness and level of depravity of these individuals. First, the latest news update. From Cutter 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. A Mount Vernon police officer is in jail charged with kidnapping and attempted rape. Alan Campbell is accused of forcing himself onto a woman last month despite her repeatedly telling him no. Court documents allege he followed the woman to her car and grabbed the door so she couldn't leave. Governor Mike Parson has announced $5 million in grants will go to 20 Missouri colleges and universities for nursing education. Those grants include nearly $400,000 to Missouri State and over $165,000 to College of the Ozarks. The nursing programs that were awarded the grant will provide scholarships and tuition assistance for nursing faculty, equipment and staffing, technology enhancements, and faculty pay increases. And a lucky Missouri lottery player won a $50,000 Powerball prize in the November 27th drawing. For Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. The first alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sponsored by Wolfpack Cleaners, your residential and commercial cleaning professionals. Mostly sunny today, high of 48. Clouds tonight, 35. Partly sunny tomorrow, warmer with a high of 58. President Joe Biden publicly embracing son Hunter amid his impeachment inquiry, lunching with him in Delaware to mark the anniversary of the car crash that killed his first wife and daughter. Now, out of the gate here, you must understand the reason that there is a news story about this is because people in the news were contacted by Biden's people to let them know so that a story could be written about this. It is not unlike when Michelle Obama was seen shopping at Target, just like every other mom, wearing sunglasses as to try to not draw attention to herself. Amazingly, though, photographers from certain press outlets somehow knew she was going to be shopping at that target well of course it's because they're told joe biden and hunter biden were joined by others for lunch at rocco italian grill and sports bar in wilmington delaware for about an hour monday according to white house and press reports quote the president and hunter having lunch with friends Joe Biden arrived in Delaware on Sunday for the anniversary of the 1972 accident that killed his first wife, Nelia, and their one-year-old daughter, Naomi, months after he was first elected to the Senate, representing the first state. Nelia was the mother of Hunter Biden and Biden's late son, Beau. This is the accident that his first wife pulled out in front of an oncoming vehicle. It was, by all appearances, accidental, though that did not stop Joe Biden at one point falsely accusing the person that his wife pulled out in front of of being drunk when he hit her. Because, you know, it's another death he can capitalize off. Joe Biden and Hunter Biden have remained defiant amid the inquiry with Hunter Biden addressing the press last week outside Congress where he's supposed to appear before the House Oversight and Judiciary Committee for a closed-door deposition. Hunter Biden declined to do so unless the proceedings were made public. And, you know, of course, there's talk about what occurred last week. Earlier Monday, Joe Biden and his family, including his second wife, First Lady Jill, gathered at St. Joseph in the Brandywine in Greenville, Delaware, where Nalia and Naomi Biden are buried for a private memorial mass though not so private that they didn't let the media know i know i'm pretty cynical um 
I could be wrong. Maybe these stories have floated around before. Maybe they have always tipped off the media to let them know about these, quote, private family events. But it sure doesn't hurt, does it? When your line of defense is that you are just trying to make it through as a family and that your family has been struck by so much tragedy with Bo and Hunter desperately trying to overcome addictions that we have this little reminder of everything this family has been through. All of the obstacles, how difficult it must be. It almost makes one think, you know what? Maybe we should just lay off them a bit. They've had it so hard, we shouldn't pile on. Almost. The American Transmissions Talk and Text Line 447 KSGF. I'm Nick Reed. A few weeks ago, I believe, perhaps maybe more, perhaps less, I read to you a letter that was presented to the Springfield Public School Board of Education by the president of Springfield's largest teachers union, calling out the district regarding their, what, what the teachers union is saying is a lack of successful attention paid to disciplinary issues. And that this is becoming a, a conflict between the district and the teachers union. And this is pretty interesting because we traditionally think of, because of the behavior of teachers unions on a national level, that these are left-wing woke activists but what we are seeing here with the Springfield's largest teachers union is that they are very, very vocal and calling out publicly the district for not disciplining successfully. They're, they're not calling for wokeness here. They're not saying that we need more compassion with these children. We, we shouldn't discipline, but we should hug uh, and they're saying this has become a very serious problem. Now, the school district, for its part, is essentially claiming, hey, we are working on this. And um, and essentially, it seems to me, anyhow, presenting the teachers union as being dishonest about the problems. Now, I'm, I'm going to reread to you the letter from the president, Laura Mullins, of Springfield's Teachers Union, Springfield, um, that, that I, I read, uh, again, it was a few weeks ago or so, so that you get to hear what it is that they have been alleging. And a letter, letter read, I come to you this evening on behalf of the 3,000 staff represented by SNEA. Staff that is broken, discouraged, and frustrated by ineffective and unsafe practices put into place by SPS administration. While teachers continue to be, quote, monitored and micromanaged, call it whatever makes you feel justified, down to the minute in their classrooms over learning standards and assessment timelines, who is managing our students? 
PBIS, conscious discipline, and other trauma-informed practices being implemented were never developed with the intention to lower expectations of students, nor were they meant to replace consequences, yet this is exactly what SPS seems to have done. Because this district started requiring staff to essentially ignore infractions they deemed as, quote, minor, we now have previously referable offenses occurring without any discipline. Here are some examples of incidents that have gone without consequence in our district just in the weeks before Thanksgiving. Bullying with repeated threats of physical harm despite a history of physical assaults. Threatening to shoot other students. Flipping chairs. Writing on walls upending offices and classrooms, getting in teachers' faces, putting fingers in their faces, and yelling at them, telling one teacher to sit on their male appendage because this is supposed to be a family-friendly environment. I submitted the offensive word or substituted the offensive word even though these are the words SPS is allowing students to use in our learning environments. Now, I know a lot of you right now I think it's unfathomable that this would have been allowed to have occurred. It's just, I can't imagine ever even witnessing. I think about the worst kids. There were always kids in school, and I'm sure it's different for different schools. And and maybe some of you did uh, uh, see this sort of thing in your schools, but it's just mind-boggling to me. I think about the kids that were considered the absolute worst kids and nowhere near this sort of behavior. Mullins went on to say, when a student's behavior rises to the point where a referral is finally allowed, in many cases, they are not getting processed or staff is told not to write them at all, particularly when it comes to repeat offenders and or students with an IEP or 504. Can violent behaviors be the result of a disability? Yes. Does that exclude them from the disciplinary process? Absolutely not. In these cases in which we know a student has violent tendencies, is the district providing them with an alternate placement or even an individual behavior technician? No. Instead, these students remain in the classroom, creating a volatile environment for everyone involved. SPS has even started ordering some staff protective vests and arm shields. Is this really the best answer? How much learning is taking place when the students have to evacuate for their safety, in some cases multiple times a day? What example is this setting for our children? Everyone seems to be a fan of research-based ideas, so I'll refer to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Without meeting student safety needs, students are not capable of learning. Safety has to be first and foremost, or students will quit coming to school and staff will leave as we continue to see them do. The safety of our students and staff cannot be subordinate to other goals like making our numbers look good. In your strategic plan, you have committed to providing classroom environments conductive to teaching and learning. This is not occurring. Instead, you are creating new victims of trauma in children and adults alike. SPS needs to return to following the code of conduct, even for minor infractions, consistent. Progressive discipline is not the bad guy. It is the solution. 
OzarksFirst.com writes that Mullins alleges the district in ways has relaxed their code of conduct, giving students more changes to be disruptive or more chances rather to be disruptive uh, before official discipline takes place. Ozarks first reached out to the Springfield Public Schools, and they said that this isn't the case. This isn't true. I'm going to take a break, and I'll read their response from this story. And the, the this is there's a school board meeting that's coming up. That's why I'm I suspect there's a good chance this is going to be back in the news again because they are, according to some of the local stories, they are organizing a protest. Before the school board meeting tonight, Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Oh, the Several weeks ago, the president of Springfield's largest teachers union issued a letter, read it to the Springfield Public School Board of Education, saying that they are screwing the pooch when it comes to disciplinary issues with children and that they are going in the wrong direction, listing off numerous offenses that I think for most of us, are it's just shocking these things are occurring in schools. And according to um, the, the complaint here, I say complaint, not any sort of official complaint, but in a letter, the, the, the argument is that this is being allowed to happen, that this is uh, – the school district is – creating many of these problems by no longer allowing disciplinary measures for what they consider minor infractions. Color 10 did a story at the time of that reading before the school board. They reached out to Springfield Public Schools who say it's not the case, quote, this is Nicole Holt, Deputy Superintendent of Academics for SPS. My response would be that it's untrue. My response would be that the code of conduct is the mechanism with which we dispel discipline in the event that a student needs, that it is a board-approved document, it is administrative practices, and it is what we follow. Holt says the district can only help what they're made aware of. Quote, to date, we have not been contacted about the most recent allegations at the board meeting on Tuesday. None of the executive directors nor myself have had communication directly from our union with specificity. Mullins added that a disruptive classroom spells trouble for everyone, noting it's affecting our teachers and we have mental health concerns for the teachers. That's what former SPS teacher Allie Wells said was part of the reason she left after a year working for the district. Quote, the reason why I wanted to speak with you today is just because educators across the country are going through similar situations that's happening in Springfield Public Schools. Wells said as, get this, a third grade teacher, third grade teacher, not a senior, not teaching juniors, third graders. Quote, I was cussed out several times, spit on, kicked, hit, and witnessed a child taking another teacher's cane and hitting that child with no consequences that were served to that child because of the child's specific needs. Springfield Public School released a statement in response Thursday evening, which read, reads in full, and again, this is from several weeks ago, and I'm, I'm recapping much of this, catching you up on it, because some of you may not be aware of it, and the uh, Springfield Teachers Union is organizing a protest before the school board meeting tonight because of all of this. 
Several weeks ago, in response to this, the Springfield Public School released a statement saying SPS acknowledges the unique challenges faced by our team of talented, dedicated educators and support staff. There are unfortunate realities facing our society that must be considered when evaluating student misbehavior from post-pandemic mental health challenges and related delays in social-emotional learning to the continued fracture of the nuclear family and underfunded support services. As public educators, we are called to serve all students. SPS has responded by providing increased support with site-based staffing, including additional behavior interventionists and is implementing positive behavior interventionists and supports district-wide. You know, I don't, I'm not an expert, but doesn't it seem like things are so much more complicated today than they were when we didn't have these disciplinary issues? I mean, it was pretty straightforward stuff. I can imagine like I didn't get I I didn't grow up in an era where you know the spanking was something that was still done in my school though it was still done in others but I, you know it was pretty straightforward stuff there was maybe a physical discipline or you got detention you got this that there was just certain things on and then after a while you're out of here now we've got the uh, positive behavior, interventions and support. We've got the, you know, site-based this and that. It's like, what is going on? Uh, we're going to take another break. I'm going to continue this back and forth here because part of what the district is saying is that they're troubled by what they call the increasingly adversarial approach demonstrated by the teachers' union on this issue. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Sarah Myers. Thank you. You know, this time of year, it's pretty common for nail pops to appear on your roof. And nail pops, it can kind of seem like a small repair, you know, something to put off. But if left untreated, uh, they can really cause some damage. You know, water can get underneath the shingle and not only damage that shingle, but it can also cause rotting to the deck underneath and it can lead to an even bigger repair in the future. So if it has been a long time since you've had a roof inspection, I recommend Josh and his team over at the Pyramid Roofing Company. Now, whenever you call for a roof inspection, the team will come out. They'll take tons of photos and videos of your roof so you can see exactly what is going on. And then they will work through the roofing process with you. And uh, they're going to be honest with you. If you get a clean bill of health, they're going to let you know. But if it is time for a repair or even a new roof, uh, the Pyramid team, they're going to get you taken care of. Now, if you want to schedule that roof inspection or maybe you just have questions, uh, you can give Josh and his team a call today and you can find all of that contact information under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. The Springfield's Teachers Union is organizing a protest before the Springfield Public School Board meeting this evening. And this is what the school board or the uh, Teachers Union president is saying is a result of a lack of any sort of forward progress on concerns the teachers unions ha- has uh, about the disciplinary issues and how the school board, sorry, the school district is going in the wrong direction. And instead of making things better, they're making things worse. This real back and forth in terms of 
in the public began when you had the letter from the teachers union president read before the school board. It was posted on social media. Then, of course, you get some news coverage of this, obviously, because this is a pretty significant situation. And some of the revelations as to what it is that are allegedly allegedly students are allowed to do without being disciplined to a significant degree. And some of it, I think, shocking and that grabs attention of people. I mean, including an interview by Color 10 at the time of a third grade teacher who quit after a year because she was cussed at, assaulted, spit upon by third graders. She was a third grade teacher. One instance noting that a child took, stole the cane, a third grader, from a teacher and then assaulted the teacher with it and faced no disciplinary action. Color 10 at the time of the story also got a statement from Stephen Hall with Springfield Public Schools saying we're troubled by the increasingly adversarial approach demonstrated by the teachers union's leadership on the issue and others, which is unhelpful. And incidentally, in the earlier segment, I know that they claim that these things weren't true what they were saying. Or that at least the picture that they paint is inaccurate. The information contained within the social media post in question was not shared with a principal or executive director of SNEA, nor were specifics provided that would allow SPS to investigate and respond accordingly. District representatives meet regularly with SNEA leadership to listen, provide information, and address concerns. Prior to making reckless allegations and broad generalizations, speaking publicly or posting to social media, it is SNEA's responsibility to engage through the appropriate channels to verify accuracy. Furthermore, it is SNEA's professional responsibility to provide specific details about any circumstance that may violate district policy or state law so that it may be addressed appropriately. SPS will be following up with SNEA to formally request that specific information, as we are not aware of the details included in the most recent statements. It is misleading to advance narratives that are either untrue or lacking in context, and much of what has recently been shared by SNEA leadership falls into both categories. The suggestion that the Springfield Public School is not following our code of conduct or is somehow suppressing the ability of staff to hold students accountable for unacceptable behavior is untrue. In, flat, in fact, discipline referrals through the end of the first quarter are higher than at some point during the previous year. This demonstrates that student misbehavior is not only resulting in referrals from teachers, but there is an appropriate and consequent application of discipline by administrators. Moving forward, statements that are incorrectly represent the record and or falsely assign blame or counterproductive. This approach delays and impedes progress of a very, uh, on a variety of fronts. SPS remains focused on meeting the needs of students and staff, listening to our staff, providing the support need, needed to help address unique challenges and a continued improvement in all areas. That from Stephen Hall with SPS. Today... Springfield's Teachers Union organizing a protest before the Springfield Public School School Board meeting tonight. 
From KY3, teachers have recently raised concerns involving students not receiving proper discipline. President Laura Mullins of the Springfield National Education Association, that's the SNEA, quote, I'm hopeful that this protest brings pressure to the board and to administration to rethink where we are and what we need to be doing differently to change this. Mullen says that she spoke with Springfield Public School officials multiple times to let them know of their concerns, but nothing has changed. She said the district is relying too much on charts to decide how a student is disciplined when it should be more up to the principal or higher ups at the school. Mullen said they've never organized a protest before, but something has got to happen to shed light on the problem. Quote, I needed to get other people to show that this is a problem. I have a voicemail right now I need to return from a parent whose child attends a Springfield Elementary School. They pulled him this week because they said there were they were physically hit multiple times and had a lot of sexual talk and the school did nothing about it. Gee, I wonder how that happens. We did reach out to SPS, this is KY3, to get their response to the concerns. Dr. Nicole Holt is the Deputy Superintendent of Academics at SPS. Dr. Holt said it's trickier now to deal with discipline concerns, especially since all students are coming in after the pandemic took them out of school for so long. I'm getting, uh, fair or unfair, I'm getting a little tired of the pandemic being used as an excuse. And if you notice, and again, maybe this is unfair. But the people who like to use the pandemic as an excuse for post-pandemic problems are the people who wanted to go about dealing with the pandemic in the way that they now claim led to these problems. Dr. Hold said in a statement, across our district, we're going to be implementing positive behavior support and intervention. We're going to be implementing PBIS. We're going to be proactive in our approach to teaching students how to behave when they're at school. Some of them are not coming with the knowledge. And how do we set the expectation on our campuses of this is what it looks like as you enter the school building and here's what we expect you to behave. We're going to teach you what that looks like, much like we do with academics. Dr. Holt said the district wants to effectively work with their teachers, but they cannot do that if concerns are not brought to their attention. Quote, if something isn't working on campus, we want our teachers to have conversations with their building leaders. They are the people who are equipped and who are closest to the student in the classroom to provide that level of support that's needed. Certainly, if something isn't working well in that relationship, we at the district level would welcome those conversations and feedback around improvement. We know that those conversations lead to support for teachers, which is what we want. And I... I know I'm cynical and perhaps at times that is unfair, but some of this just sounds like talk, talk. It's the same sort of running around in circles and, well, you got to do this and you got to do that. And it's like the government approach to everything is let's create a new rule. Let's create a new chart. Let's create a new graph. Let's create a new thing on paper. Let's add another layer to the Rube Goldberg way of dealing with these problems instead of going back to what seemed to work once upon a time. Now, I do recognize without question the schools, whether they're run properly or improperly, every day are housing kids. 
that are coming from a culture that is much, much, much more problematic than it was several generations ago. Many of us recognize that if we got in trouble in school, we knew we were going to be even bigger trouble when we got home. That isn't the case anymore. It is for some students, but there is a very significant number of these students who have parents that are just as much, if not a bigger problem than the kids. So I'm not going to pretend as if the disciplinary issues that exist are existing only because the way that the districts deal with the discipline is different. I would not, in this day and age, with, uh, frankly, some of these parents, just, they aren't parents. There's no discipline. Some want their kids to like them. They don't, they don't want to be parents. I mean, if you're going to let your kid choose their own gender, you're not going to put any boundaries on them whatsoever. Whatever they want is golden. And anytime they feel wronged, you take their side. And so what you have are teachers and then administrators oftentimes that have to deal with that. And all right, well, how do we navigate that? So I'm not going to pretend as if it's as, quote, easy as it was once upon a time where you could tell the student, I'm going to call your parents. And that was enough to get them to calm down, because nowadays some of these kids text their parents themselves. And then the parents come and yell at the administrators because of the teachers. I also, please don't misunderstand this. I'm not saying that every single teacher is wonderful and so forth. I'm just talking about the issue at hand here and dealing with this disciplinary problem. But I can tell you what doesn't work, whether this is what is occurring or not, but it seems like it. It's trying to hit certain numbers. Trying to, you you make this determination, we have a problem, these are what our numbers show, this is where we need to be, and then changing the way you deal with the situation in order to get the numbers you need, because that's what defines success. Not whether or not it actually, the environment has improved, but whether or not the numbers show that they have. In government, that's oftentimes the way these situations are dealt with. It's also become clear there is a problem. There is a problem. I don't think any reasonable person just recognizing what goes on in society today believes that there is not an issue that's going on. And what definitely appears to be going on here is that you have two versions of the story. You have teachers and people, and they're not just teachers, by the way, you, you know, just people who work within the schools that are saying things are out of control. Students are running the joint. We're being forced to endure problematic kids and not able to punish them for, quote, minor infractions. And so that just emboldens them and it lets them know who's really in charge. And then you have what appears to be the district administrator's position that, hey, you know, complaining about this isn't helping anything and you're making things worse. And a lot of what you're saying is a misrepresentation and it's not true. And don't worry, we have it under control. Oh, and by the way, here's a 
eight-volume book on the process to go through if you disagree. I don't envy any of these people in these situations. I don't envy the teachers. I don't envy the workers at the schools that are not teachers. I don't envy the administrators. But that also doesn't mean that, you know, the administrators are going about this the right way. I, I, I recognize this is not an easy issue. The, the, the way to fix this, I believe, or at least to increase the likelihood of these problems, is the sort of change in dealing with dis- uh, students who are disciplinary problems that is so outside. It's not a tweaking. It's not a slight change over here. It is the sort of massive overhaul that would get national attention and also the sort of thing that frankly would have a crap ton of parents who have problematic kids that they would be the ones protesting if the goal here is ultimately to just try and stop the boat from rocking as best as possible. All right, how is it that we deal with the discipline problem while at the same time not having to deal with a bunch of angry parents? Then things are going to continue to get out of control. You're not going to be able to please both those masters. Not going to happen. You're going to tick off one or the other. And right now, it appears as if it's the teachers who are ticked off, the ones who are having to deal with these issues. This is going to be very interesting to watch how this continues to play out. Because like I said, generally speaking, you don't see this sort of public battle. And many of us stereotype teachers unions as being promoters of these left-wing causes and coddling these kids and thinking, well, you got to think of this and that. We can't discipline them. And much of that is because of the sins, if you will, of the the national level and the Weingartners and these other left-wing activists that get themselves involved in public education. But what we have here is a local teachers union that is not arguing that, 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 they, that we need more of the leftist wokeness stuff. But instead, it appears as if they're demanding some good old fashioned discipline. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. If you have a home loan need... Maybe your kids are in a school that are it's out of control. They're not learning. They want to learn, but the classrooms are instead being devoted to trying to control the bad kids. So you're like, we got to get out of this district. We got to get away from here. I want a great homeloan.com. This is the first place you got to go. You're going to enter some basic information. These folks are local, by the way. The characters, Anthony, Alex, character, their team, they're local. You enter some basic information. Somebody's going to get back with the lickety split and maybe ask you a few questions, get some additional information, and then they're going to develop for you what options are available. And there, it may be so much more than, well, here's a 15 and here's a 30. And then if you put something down, here's what your rate will be and, and so forth. Uh, you know, if you're a veteran, if you're going to live in a certain area versus another, um, there are so many different areas that Oftentimes, you don't necessarily find yourself privy to if you go through the big, massive institutions where you're just another name on a piece of paper with a social security number and an income to debt ratio.
If you want it done right, you want I want a great homeloan.com because you do. I know I spent a great deal of time talking about most of it being background and the back and forth between the Springfield um, NEA Teachers Union and their apparent great frustration at a lack of discipline of students or the lack of uh, allowing teachers to discipline students versus the public school system. And it's gotten to the point where the teachers union is organizing what is being called a protest. Now, what that looks like, I don't know, but that is going to be taking place before the school board meeting tonight. Some of your messages coming in, Nick, my wife is a Springfield public school teacher. I know for a fact that poor behavior is not being addressed and disciplined properly. And I can tell you, despite what appears my inference from the messaging coming from the district is that, you know, this these issues are being addressed and they aren't aware of any of these unaddressed issues going on. But I can tell you anytime this issue comes up. I get bombarded with emails from either people who work in the district, oftentimes which are substitute teachers, or family members that all say the same thing, and it's along those lines. That the worse a student is, the more they know they're in control and they're allowed to be in control. Whether that's fair or not, I'm just telling you, that is the message I get from those who work in the Springfield Public School District. Another asking, doesn't the teachers' union actually endorse the folks who bring these policies about? This is going to be a very interesting, with that question being asked, school board election coming up in the spring. I don't want to stereotype here, but that being said, again, we generally think of these teachers' unions as supporting the more left-wing activists. However, this is clearly a problem that, unless I'm misreading this, they are on the same page as the non-woke left-wing activists here and that those who want more of the DEI and more of the equity and all this are simply part of the problem that continues to feed this out-of-control situation. And where will will they, the teachers' union, do endorsements? If so, will they defy what many people expect to be the stereotypical, traditional support of more left-wing individuals, but instead support those who aren't necessarily right-wing, but just are back to the meat and potatoes, if you will, of dealing with these issues and cutting through all the crap, recognizing we got a real problem here, and the solution, it's going to hurt. When things are this out of control, solutions that are actual meaningful solutions they're going to cause some pain they're going to ruffle some feathers and if that isn't happening then you're probably not fixing the problem got to get another break in here quick like springfield's talk 1041 i'm nick if you miss any of the show the on-demand section at ksgf.com and friday we will have the friday road show at scrambler sponsored by extra mile home inspection and real estate repair in the meantime Glenn Beck is coming up next. I'm Nick Reed. Talk to you tomorrow. For a sleigh ride together with you.